I pray that we would be attentive to areas in our lives we need to change so that we are uh, dressed for battle every day. Thank you for the comfort and the hope that we have from the truth in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if your phone's on, could you turn it off? And there are little, little Jimmy and his family were having Sunday dinner at his grandma's house and everyone was seated at the table. <clears throat> the food was all being served, but little Jimmy just started eating right away. And his mom said, Jimmy, come on, we say, we pray first. And he said, well, I don't need to. And she said, well, of, of course, that's what we always do. And he said, well, that's at our house, but this is grandma's house and she knows how to cook. So, <clears throat> little Jimmy, mm. All right. I know we all shake our heads in dismay when we see another evil done, whether it's bomb threats or going in and shooting up a synagogue. And those of us who know scripture understand that there is a personal devil behind such acts who stirs up hatred and murder. He influences world leaders in order to bring about chaos and despair. He is God's adversary. He's opposed to God's work and God's people. Once known as Lucifer, the shining one, the star of the morning, he was the highest ranking, prominent of angelic angels, but he rebelled. I will be like God. I will be like the Most High. And amazing that he could convince a third of all the angelic hosts to join him in this rebellion. And they were all cast out of heaven and became the eternal enemies of God. And ever since then, Satan assaults the will of God, the work of God, and all of God's people. And this is the reality of spiritual warfare. And our passage today gives us the most comprehensive explanation of this oppression and temptation that individuals, believers experience because of Satan and his host. Our study today instructs us in the truth of the spiritual resources that God has provided to protect us from Satan's attacks. Just as a Roman soldier had armor to protect him when he was in physical battle, the believer has been given the full armor of God for every spiritual battle that we face. And Paul wants everyone to be ready for an attack by being properly dressed. If you're not prepared for the battle, if you're not wearing the protective armor of God that he's provided, you will be defeated. You will find yourself useless as a Christian, which is the very objective Satan has in attacking you. 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So that brings us to the armor of God. And Paul begins in verse 10 by stating, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul is saying that in view of everything he's just taught up to this point, there's still something else you need to know. You have an enemy who is going to oppose you as you try to live out everything you've just been taught in this book. To be prepared for his attacks, you need to know and apply what uh, he is about to teach you by standing firm. Notice we are commanded to be strong in the Lord and his power. We are to depend on the Lord's power in our conflicts and attacks from Satan. Many people fail to realize the devil's power is far beyond our ability to do battle with him or reason with him in our mind. How many people believe if they just say certain words or have a formula to rebuke Satan that he's obligated to obey them? People rebuke him, they bind him, they send him back to the pit, 
as if he's going to listen to that. In 2 Peter 2, 10 and 11, we're warned against rebuking the devil. And in Jude 9, we see that even Michael, the highest archangel, did not pronounce against Satan any railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And if ever it was a place that we were supposed to be binding, sending, and whatever Satan, this would be the passage we would be commanded to do so. But that is not God's approach. The truth from scripture is that we are never told to rebuke or bind Satan. Rather, we're told to resist him by trusting God's power to deal with the enemy. We must depend on God's strength and his power to deal with Satan by putting on the armor of God he has provided for us. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So we are to make sure we are completely dressed with God's armor, that no area in our life is vulnerable or unprotected. The schemes of the devil are his different methods of attack. The Greek word used here for the word scheme has the idea of deception, craftiness, shrewdness. You must understand that the devil has an entire systematic and methodical strategy for every individual believer. He knows your weak points. He knows your strong points. He maps out a strategy of attack to fit you personally where you are most vulnerable, whether that's in your emotions with despair, worry, anxiety, or with fear, or with your pride, or immorality, or coveting, whatever. He will attack you where you are most susceptible. This is why you must be sure you're completely covered and protected by the armor that God's provided so that you will stand firm. The ancient hymn, martyr, uh, hymn writer Martin Luther and reformer wrote this so well in his song, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. James 4, 7 commands us, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Submission to God in his word is the key to being protected by the evil one. Don't take lightly the truths that you know you are to obey, and yet consistently fail to do so. Because in doing so, you become such easy prey to allow Satan to bring ongoing defeat and discouragement in your life. We must be motivated to be dressed for war and put on the armor of God. And you know what? It requires the discipline of obedience to his word. The six pieces of armor that we're going to look at are really, if you put it in a nutshell, biblical thinking and godly righteous behavior. That's what protects us from Satan and his lies. And to implement right thinking and righteous behavior it requires an act of your will. Please be convinced that you need this protection of armor that God has provided because without it, you will not stand. We need to remember that we are too weak to stand up to Satan's attacks and need the full armor of God to protect us. He has custom designed attacks and strategy and he is so crafty in his attacks against believers. So we need to understand, first of all, who our enemy is. And so there's a brief uh, explanation of verses 12 and 13. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. 
You may think that you have conflicts with people. You may think the person in your neighborhood, at work, in your family, in your household is the person that is making you sin, right? But your real enemy behind those conflicts, the one who wants to use those conflicts and has instilled them is Satan. This invisible enemy with supernatural power, his goal is to destroy your walk with the Lord. The word struggle is the word used to describe hand-to-hand wrestling matches in the Roman Empire that would end in death. It wasn't the Olympics where you got points for pinning. No, it was to the death. And Satan's goal is not to just briefly get you off track spiritually, though it is that, and cause temporary trouble in your life, though he does that. He wants you to fall so hard spiritually that you just never get up. He can't take your salvation, but he can bring devastating blows that discredit you as a believer. And how does he go about implementing these various evil schemes? After all, he is a created being. He is not omnipresent or omniscient as God is. Well, he has a host of wicked partners who assist him. This is a network of highly organized servants and partners with Satan and their attacks of believers. These are the ones we are wrestling with. Paul gives four categories of demons that work in the kingdom of darkness. First of all, there are rulers. These are those with the most authority under Satan's rule. There are powers, another rank of demons. There are world forces of this darkness, which seems to be demons who infiltrate and manipulate all the political garbage going on around the world and among the nations of the world and those who lead them. Then spiritual forces of wickedness are the demons involved in all sorts of perverse and vile behavior and immoralities and occult practices. Paul is informing us of this demonic network so that we understand that we are wrestling and fighting supernatural forces who have a great deal of power and a great deal of wickedness. His purpose is not that we fixate on them and their evil, but rather that we see the importance of the whole armor of God. We must realize how weak we are against Satan so that we diligently take up the protection and armor God has provided for us. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day to stand firm. Every believer comes under attack. So we need to make sure we get dressed for battle and so we can resist him with our spiritual battle on. So let's look at our six pieces of armor we're to put on. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. This reference to a Roman soldier's protection of his belt uh, was a belt made of heavy leather that went around his waist. So the normally loose-fitting clothes that he wore outside would be able to be tucked in and not hinder him in hand-to-hand combat. And that is why it was tucked in his belt, so he was ready for battle. The belt held everything in place, so he could go to battle. And what is this belt that we are to have properly in place? It is having your uh, girded your loins with truth. This is the truth in its entirety of the Word of God. It means our lives are mastered and controlled and dominated by a commitment to obey the Word of God, to know it. We must have a settled conviction that God's word is truth. And then not just that you know that in your head, but that it governs your actions and activities and responses throughout the day in everyday life. It's the truth of God's word that sanctifies us and guards us against Satan lies. We know Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. 
His goal is to confuse you, to lead you away from biblical doctrine and living. He targets your mind with all kinds of lies about God, lies about other people, what they're saying, what they're thinking, and about circumstances of life. This was his technique back in the garden with Eve as he caused her to doubt God's goodness. Then he twisted something positive and charged God with withholding good from Adam and Eve. So the question then is, if God is good, then why is life so hard? Why is my marriage so challenging? Why are my kids so difficult? Why are, why are our finances so impossible? And why do I have this health crisis? And on and on it goes. If Satan can get you to question the goodness of God, <clears throat> then it's easy to believe other lies that God can't really be trusted in your particular situation. If Satan can convince you of this, that you can live apart from the word of God and its standards and commands, he brings defeat because then you, bring, you have doubts about everything that God has said. Ladies, we must look at every single detail of our lives through the lens of scripture. You must have a commitment to the word of God in every area of your life, not compartmentalize this, this, and this. It is all of life. You must have a commitment to the word of God. If not, you will be defeated as a Christian because you do not have the most protective piece of clothing on. God has provided for defense the belt of truth. Scripture is the mind of God given to us in written form. So we must submit then to every aspect of scripture and have it renew and change how we think. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldier's breastplate was essential to protect all the vital organs in his midsection. It covered the complete upper body from the top of the thighs to the base of the neck. The vital organs that referred to uh, in the Bible were called, they called them our bowels or our inward parts. And they are associated with our feelings and with our affections because that's where you feel, you know, nerves and all different things in your stomach. And just as we need the belt of truth to protect our minds from error, so we need the breastplate <clears throat> to protect our feelings and our emotions and our affections. Satan attacks our emotions so that we put our affections and focus on the wrong things. He knows our feelings play a huge role in our lives. Therefore, he plays upon our emotions so that they lead us away from doing what is biblical. Our feelings must be protected from his assaults. And the breastplate God has provided for us is righteousness. Not the imputed righteousness given to every believer at the moment of salvation. That's what happens at transactions. We have nothing to do with that. God gives us the righteousness of Christ the moment we trust him for salvation. This is practical righteousness, our personal daily obedience to the word of God. As 1 Thessalonians 5 eight tells us, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. So we must be diligent to practice spiritual disciplines that are necessary to give, have a godly walk. And if we don't, we are easy targets for Satan to lure us away from Christ and to follow after our own desires. Holy and godly living is the greatest protection and defense God has provided against Satan and his attacks with your affections and your desires. <clears throat> Understand, ladies, that your personal commitment of obedience to the word of God is what guards you from Satan drawing your affections away from the Lord. 
Stay in close fellowship with the Lord, being diligent to obey even the smallest detail. And you know what I'm talking about, that little red flag that goes off in your mind when you do that thing, that he's already dealt with you not, not to do that thing. It matters. You set yourself up as easy prey. Satan is so sly in his attempts to draw our affections away from Christ that we may not even realize that it's happening. We draw near to the Lord by spending time with him and staying moment by moment in our obedience and confessing our sin. Thirdly, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This piece of armor speaks of the purpose of the Roman soldier's footwear, which you know they wore sandals and they would have metal nails coming out of the bottom in order to grip the ground during combat. It needed stability in their footing. Same idea of our modern day sports cleats. If one were to slip and fall, even if you had your helmet on and your or belt on and whatever, it's, if you're on the ground, you're in a bad situation there. So we are to stand firm on our feet during the devil's attacks. And what gives us stability so that we stand without and don't fall? The gospel of peace. One of Satan's most effective schemes to rob us of peace is to rob us of peace as he fills our minds with temptations to to worry, to fear, to doubt. And when we are filled with these thoughts, we are unstable, we are unsteady in our walk with the Lord. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God if we know him. We know with certainty we've been made right with God by faith in what Jesus Christ did on behalf of us on the cross. Satan may tempt you to doubt that you are truly saved. He may accuse you in your mind of being the worst believer ever. But assurance of salvation, as you know, is not based on your performance. Know the gospel. Know what you believe about the gospel and make it your own conviction. Sound doctrine, like we've studied in the book of Ephesians, particularly chapter 1 and 2, is what brings stability when you understand the gospel message, you can stand your ground in trials and suffering because you know the truth. You know God loves you. You know he's on your side. You know he will never leave you. You know you're his child and he adopted you, that you've been bought with a price, that all things work together for good and on and on and on. Not only is there peace in knowing the gospel that we are at peace with God, but there is the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds. As, as you know, everyone has peace with God, the moment of salvation. But certainly, as believers, we know we don't always have the peace of God ruling in our hearts, do we? Peace does not mean the absence of trials. Rather, it's the inner calmness based on the truth that everything is right between us and God. And he still is on the throne and in control. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. This is a peace not dependent on your circumstances. And it's mostly taught clearly in the most best location, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, where we have the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And it, this is a peace that comes as we rejoice in the Lord, as we yield our personal rights and don't demand our own way. And then as we bring everything to the Lord by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and then as we think on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and dwell on these things. So are your feet stable? Do you know that you are at peace with God? Do you have the peace of God even in the midst of stress all around? 
The scripture makes it clear that we are to cast our cares upon him. And in doing so, we will have steady feet to stand against the schemes of Satan who wants to knock us down with all thoughts of fear and anxiety. The fourth piece of armor, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith. Boy, do we need the shield of faith. Our enemy has defeated the wisest of men to ever live, Solomon, the strong man, Samson, the man after God's own heart with his seduction. We need the whole armor of God for divine protection from his attacks. The Roman soldier's shield was a very big uh, object, two feet by four and a half feet. It was like a little door that he carried with and would crouch behind for protection. Often their enemies shot arrows dipped in pitch set on fire so they were like a flaming missile coming at them. And so to protect themselves from the darts, they had these large shields made of uh, two layers of laminated wood covered with linen and hide bound with iron. Sometimes they dampened it for the putting out the missiles. And in the spiritual realm, God has provided us with a spiritual shield to protect us from Satan's fiery darts. And this shield is called faith. The shield of faith is able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan has the wicked intent to lure us to be tempted to sin. We cannot stop the temptations from coming, but we can grab hold of the shield of faith so as fiery missiles can be extinguished when they hit. What are some of his attacks on our lives? It's every aspect of our lives. Prone to anger, immoral thoughts, our pride, fear, worry, doubt, despair, discouragement, self-reliance, covetousness, envy, and on and on it goes. His arrows are wicked enticements to sin. So you realize at that moment when you have the reaction to whether it's somebody you're driving on the street with or somebody in your home, that's the enticement at the moment when they say and do really stupid things, right? And the goal of Satan is to get us to have a sinful response in this situation. We must know the word of God and apply it to every evil enticement and choose to trust what God says is true and wise and for our own good. So it's very practical. Daily trust in the Lord to give us victory over Satan as he tempts us because we are to trust him in every situation and every circumstance. Remember the men and women of Hebrews 11, our examples, they faced horrific trials of every kind and they walked by faith and they're there to say, you can do the same thing. You will cross the finish line. This is all temporary. This is not forever. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So we base our very lives on God's promises, having convictions that what God has said is absolutely true and we can rely on it. It is the conviction of things not seen. It means that we are convinced of things we are not yet able to see. So when the flaming arrows come at you in the form of a person who says or does something to hurt you, there's the temptation to get angry, hold a grudge, or be bitter. But you extinguish that arrow by remembering the scriptures we just studied. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Let all bitterness, wrath, and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. When the arrow is shot at you that says, there's no way we're going to make it. We're going to lose the house. Our finances are impossible then you remember Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Or Matthew 7, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? 
we must remember who God is. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our present help in trouble. He is our strong tower. Learn more about the attributes of God and the character of God and you will be better equipped when those fiery darts are shot at you and you can hold up the shield of faith because you know what your God is like. I tell you, if you have Amazon available to you, watch Steve Lawson's series on the attributes of God, 30-minute segments from Ligonier's. Amazing, just when you're taught more about God and his incredible attributes. Or Steve Nichols has many series on the Reformation and, and godly men and women throughout history. That will strengthen your faith so you're better equipped when the missiles come. Fifth, take the helmet of salvation. Satan so often attacks believers by tempting them to doubt their salvation. When ensnared by his lies, he succeeds to lead, lead you down a road. So you're really so self-consumed. I mean, that really is his goal. Just think about me, my pity party, my woe. And uh, then you can't minister to anybody else. You really are useless. So he's accomplished his goal. <clears throat> the helmet of salvation protects our minds from doubts as we're reminded about the truth of our salvation. We need to understand our salvation is based on the finished work of Christ and who died on behalf of sinners like us. He died for all who will believe. His atonement made on the cross for sinners was a real substitutionary atonement. It is a fact. There can be absolute certainty of salvation because of the truth that we saw when we studied chapter one. That Christ's death secured your salvation. You are guaranteed to experience the salvation all the way to glory. Christ died for the elect those he chose to be his own, he has guaranteed that those whom he has chosen will be saved. As Charles Spurgeon said, Christ so died that he infallibly secured the salvation of a multitude no man can number, who through Christ's death not only may be saved, but are saved, must be saved, and cannot by any possibility run the hazard of being anything but saved. So how do you know your faith is real? Well, those who have been transformed inwardly by coming to faith in Christ, have outward change in their behavior. You have different goals. You have different desires. Paul told the Corinthians, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. When there is an awareness of sin, that's not to cause you to doubt. You ought to be glad that you're aware of your sin and deal with your sin by repenting. True believers confess the sins they are aware of. 1 John 2, 3, 4 says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Believers have obedience as, as faulty as it can be, but there is a desire to obey and to repent and turn and get back on track. John continues in that chapter to say, true believers love the brethren. They're willing to serve their brothers and sisters and meet needs. The truth about salvation is that it was planned in the past He's the one keeping us saved in the present, and he's the one who's bringing us to the future glorious day in heaven. These are the truths that set us free from having doubts about salvation. This is the helmet that needs to be securely in place every day. And the sixth and final piece of armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Roman soldier carried a dagger six to 18 inches long, it was used for more precise fighting in hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
It wasn't a large, broad sword. So the Greek word that Paul used here to describe the word of God means particular individual statements. In other words, it refers to truths of scripture that we must know and use against Satan with his specific attacks in our lives. Verses that deal directly in the area we are being tempted in. You must know verses on purity. If you're tempted to have fantasies that are inappropriate and immoral, you must know verses on worry when you feel overwhelmed by circumstances. You must know scripture that deals with anger and unforgiveness when you are hurt. Not only are you defending yourself with scripture, but in reality, it is our only offensive weapon and it cuts into Satan and his evil strategy to tempt you and to discourage you. The sword of the spirit turns despair into hope. And you know, you have to talk to yourself. Stop it. (laughs) And talk to yourself. What is the truth? Jesus himself in his humanity is the perfect example. When he was tempted in the wilderness, he knew all of the book of Deuteronomy. He pulled out quotes specific to the attacks that Satan uh, was attacking him with. Are you familiar enough with your sword to even use it effectively? D. Martin Lloyd-Jones has a great quote. I'll just share part of it. He said, we must not content ourselves with reading a few verses and imagining that when we have read our daily portion, we have truly studied the scriptures. We must give time to it. We must get to the depths of it. We must read the whole of the Bible. And that's why we're studying Haggai and Obadiah starting next week. And it really is exciting. I have to tell you. And be really steeped in all the knowledge of every part of scripture. Then at any given moment, we shall have the appropriate answer and the enemy will not only be repelled, he will be discomforted and he will flee from us. So ladies, when you got up this morning and got ready to come here today, did you have any thought if you were spiritually dressed for battle? Do you grasp who your enemy is and realize how critical it is that you are prepared moment by moment for his attacks? We didn't have time to go over verse 18, a verse that reminds us of the importance of praying at all times in the spirit and being on alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. Our prayer life is critical. Do you know scripture well enough to use portions of it when you are tempted in specific areas with wrong thoughts? We will not walk worthy of our calling if we are not dressed every day for the battles that we face. We don't know when the little attacks and the big attacks will hit, but we know they will come. But knowing his word and walking in obedience is what will prepare us for the trials and challenges to come. I remind you of the psalmist in Psalm 42 who has, reminds us to talk to ourselves. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Hope in God. Why are you downcast? We have to speak the truth to ourselves and stop listening to ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths in this passage. Lord, I pray for each lady here. I don't know their spiritual hearts and conditions and and walks with you. I pray that each one here will come to that place where they are at peace with you because they've called on you to save them. But every one of us here so desperately need the peace of God in our hearts, ruling our hearts. Lord, I pray for victory today, that we would be properly dressed for the battle and not just give in, but we would stand firm under his attacks and resist Satan, that he would uh, leave us. I pray, Lord, that you will 
apply the truths that we've learned to each lady in this particular things they're going through today. In Jesus' name, amen.